The Tom Woods Show, episode 1539. Prepare to set fire to the index card of allowable opinion. Your daily dose of liberty education starts here. The Tom Woods Show. A lot of our people complain that the Pentagon spends and wastes a lot of money, but the damage it does to the American economy and to American society is much greater than just that. It deforms the economy in ways most people don't even realize. Get the full story in my brand new free ebook, The Pentagon Versus the Economy. Pick it up at militaryeconomy.com. Hi, everybody. Tom Woods here. Lou Rockwell is back with me because last night the Democrats had another debate. That was November 20th, 2019, and we are here to talk about it. This one was a bit more interesting, perhaps, than the others, so I think we're going to have a nice conversation. Virtually all of you listening know Lou Rockwell, who is the publisher of lourockwell.com, which publishes new articles six days a week. You will also no doubt be familiar with the Mises Institute, and Lou is the founder and chairman of that. He is also a past chief of staff for Ron Paul. He was Ron Paul's very first chief of staff and just a tremendous benefactor of libertarianism in general. So delighted to have him back. Lou, welcome back. Tom, great to be with you. Here we are doing it again. All right. Well, there, there were some items in this debate that are probably worth talking about, but let's start by doing what we normally do, which is uh, maybe you could share your overall impressions, uh, winners, losers, uh, people who left no impression. What did you think? Well, I thought that um, in, the, in the beginning, the four moderators and uh, other MSNBC and WashPo people, uh, were before the debate started, they said, Boy, this time they're not going to be attacking each other. They're just going to be all pals together and they're going to go after Trump. Trump is dead after the hearings today. Forget him, although it's kick him when he's down and, you know, and so forth. And uh, it didn't quite turn out that way. I, I would say that they, there was, you know, some infighting, which, of course, is the, is the fun part. Uh, I thought that, unfortunately, Drudge does not have his poll up this morning. And my guess is that goes along with the fact that he sort of moved left uh, in in uh, recent months, and maybe that poll bothers the Democrats. I don't know, but it's it's too bad. But I think that um, I thought actually uh, Biden did pretty well. I mean, it's, he he's no worse than the previous times when he um, is at least leading in the national poll, if not the the, the uh, Iowa and the and the New Hampshire polls. I thought that uh, Kamala Harris was horrible. I thought that um, Klobuchar talked a lot, and she seemed to be shaking. So I, I noticed that some people are worrying about her her health, but she seemed to just be vibrating when she was talking. I thought that um, Tulsi Gabbard, you know, she was fine on some foreign policy items, and, and she had a good comeback when uh, um, Kamala Harris attacked her for meeting, meeting with um, the president of, of Syria. And I thought that, uh, on the other hand, she, she really got into all her other left-wing views, which, which uh, I, maybe it'll make her more attractive to those people. I, I don't think it does any good if she's wrong from their standpoint on foreign policy, which is the most important thing to most of those people. Then it doesn't matter how left-wing she is otherwise. So it's, it's, she was uh, wearing a, a white pantsuit. And I remember a, a joke previously that well, the reason Hillary really hated her guts was that she was able to wear a white pantsuit and look good in it, uh, unlike, of course, Hillary. So I thought that um, they were all just shaking their fingers and 
telling everybody what's going to happen and Elizabeth Warren talking about her two-cent billionaire tax. Now, I think she means 2%, but she doesn't say 2%. She says two-cent. And uh, is she trying to fool people? I, you know, I don't know. Um, it turns out that at least some of the people under her plan will be taxed more than 100%. Uh, and that I remember that happening in Sweden, and uh, a lot of people left Sweden when that, when that happened. So there are people who do want to tax people, other people, more than 100%. Take all the money they've earned that year and then some of, the, some of their savings. This is, this is Elizabeth Warren. Uh, Bernie... I thought uh, he was himself. I mean, he did, he did fine. He got his, his most cheers when he said that he thought that uh, Israel needed to clean up its act. And he said, uh, he said now I'm pro-Israel. Well, as anybody was concerned, that, that wasn't the case. Uh, but he did say he thought that uh, the Palestinians needed to be treated better. So he got cheers for that. And, uh, uh, you know, that was good. He also talked about why the wars needed to be ended, which I've never heard him say that before. I've heard him say that, that, uh, you know, he was opposed to the Iraq war and that Biden was for the Iraq war. Uh, but this time he talked about getting out of uh, Afghanistan and ending these wars so that uh, Tulsi had a little bit of competition there. But Jake was supposed to be the, the star. He just seemed to me to be boring. But you know, I'd love to see what the polls show. It did seem that unlike any other debate I've seen, they pretty much gave everybody, if not the same amount of time they gave they gave them, um, every, everybody got a fair amount of time. So that, uh, is that good? I, I don't know, but it did, it was interesting to, just interesting to see them all talk. And I don't think that they, you know, I, I did any, I don't know if anybody won. I think Yang uh, was typical, his typical self, that is, he's an impressive guy, he's a smart guy. He has various commie proposals he wants to make. So I, you know, who won? My guess is uh, that uh, in the national polls, Biden will continue to be the leader. He's, he's way ahead of Elizabeth Warren and way ahead of everybody else, even though he stumbled several times, but he was able to correct himself. I don't know that that actually bothers people. I, at one time, I thought that that would be the end of him, but it seems like at least so far, it's not the end of him. But he's, uh, you know, they really, they really are an unpleasant bunch. I <laughs> I, I'm looking forward if, uh, you know, from the way they were talking last night, uh, Trump will be resigning today. I think somehow I think it's not quite that. And right. I didn't watch because I didn't I did not watch these these hearings. I saw maybe 10 minutes of them the previous night. And I thought they were so boring, so stupid, uh, so irrelevant. And that the bug eyed monster is in charge of everything. Uh, so unpleasant that I just I couldn't I couldn't watch more than about 10 minutes. Uh, but they were saying that everybody's watching these these hearings and they're going to hate Trump and they're going to get rid of Trump and the Republicans will have to take him aside and get his resignation just like they did Richard Nixon. Um, I think that's not true, but I've not paid attention to the hearings, so I'm not exactly an expert on that. But I thought, I thought last night, I don't think the Democrats did themselves any good, but I don't think they did themselves particular harm. Uh, I'd love to see the, the, the ratings of how many people were watching these debates. But I think that um, Elizabeth Warren is just, She's just a harridan. She's shaking her finger at the other people. And, you know, don't, don't you know that I'm just great and, and I'm right. And, of course, I was the daughter of a janitor and I became a public school teacher. And then I became a professor. At law, she says a college professor. Well, she, of course, became a professor at Harvard Law School because she lied about being an Indian. That, of course, didn't come up. 
And uh, that's something Trump obviously will bring up if she's the nominee. Uh, Kamala Harris, just a presence on the stage, but it was like getting an, a needle stuck in your eye or something. I mean, she was very, very unpleasant. And I noticed that she, on the national poll, she's about 4%. So I think that she's, um, you know, everybody, Politico had a big article the other day about how what a ridiculous affair her, her campaign is, that it's just a, a total mess and uh, that she's going down for that reason. So I think the fact that she was sort of yelling and denouncing Tulsi Gabbard and so forth didn't do her any good. So, you know, we'll have to see. But I think that um, I don't think it changes things that it's Biden and Warren and uh, are, are, are the two leaders and the others trailing along behind. All communists, of course. Let me follow up on what you said about what Bernie said about the wars, because uh, I, I actually highlighted it here. He said, at the end of the day, we have to rethink the entire war on terror, which has caused so much pain and so many lives, not only for our own men and women in the armed forces, but for people in that region. Yeah, they, well. nobody ever mentions that, of course. No, it's never. Yeah. Those, those yeah. people aren't even people. Yeah, that's right. So that's and that was also a thing about, you know, our our dear friend Ron Paul is that he actually also cared about yes, those people. That's right. Right. And and nobody hesitates to call Ron the worst possible names imaginable, but yet he's the only one who cares about those people and actually treats them as people. You know, it's just, it's insane. All right. I have a few little nitpicky things and then let's talk about big things like, uh, I want to elaborate on the Tulsi situation, but just a small thing. Bernie made an offhand reference to 500,000 people sleeping out on the street. Now, I don't want to minimize that I, no. because, I mean, that must be an awful fate, you know, to, to live that way. But, but Lou, I've been around long enough to remember that in the 1980s, we were told 3 million people were on the street. And at one point, by the end of the 80s, it went up to 4 million, not because they had done any extra studies, but because they figured... Well, enough time has gone by. It must have gone up to four million. Now, now, you know the story, I presume, where that number came from. It was this guy, Mitch Snyder, who was a homeless advocate. He invented the number, and he admitted later on that he invented it as a way of focusing people's attention on the problem. He didn't go around with a clipboard and try and find people. He just invented the number. But anyway, everybody, every last person repeated there are three million homeless, three million homeless, three million homeless, all through the 1980s. So if that statistic were true, then 500,000, that's an amazing achievement over the past 30 years, <laughs> yeah. right? I mean, Bernie should be celebrating or admitting, <laughs> by the way, we lied about this in the 80s. It really wasn't as bad as we thought, or things have gotten a lot better. <laughs> I don't know, but anyway, that's that uh, struck me. Then when Biden, Biden was actually asked a reasonably good question, which was, he says that if, if he wins, Republicans and Democrats will start working together again. But right now, Republicans in Congress, including people Biden has worked with for a long time, are demanding investigations of both Biden himself and his son. How are you going to get those Republicans to work with you? Well, I mean, that's actually a pretty good question. Mm -hmm. And you got nothing, <laughs> no response to that at all, just dancing around. So then they give uh, Harris a chance to respond. Now, she's, as you say, she's tanking. She may as well go for this, right? Mm -hmm. She may as well try something. And she doesn't answer the question. She says nothing about Hunter uh, Biden at all. And it is a legit question. The guy brings precisely nothing to the table and gets 50 grand a month. I mean, that's a pretty good gig. I think it was, wasn't it actually 80, more than 80,000 oh, a month? It could be. It could be. You know this better than I do. It could well be. So, so therefore, close to a million dollars a year. Yes. 
All right. Now, uh, let's see. Another <laughs> thing I noticed was at least, and the reason I noticed this is how infrequent it is, but at least Cory Booker would say from time to time, you know, it's not just enough to talk about how we're going to tax wealth. There are still some people in this country who would like to acquire wealth. There are still some people who have <laughs> yeah. entrepreneurial ambition. And he said, I stood in church recently and asked folks in a black church, how many people here want to be entrepreneurs? Half the church raised their hands. He says, so if we're not just talking about how to tax wealth, but we're talking about how to build it, we're going to be irrelevant to these people. So, I mean, I at least, even though that's not going to mean anything when push comes to shove, still, it's something. <laughs> you know, it was noticeable, right? No, it's true. That was something. It's true. Yeah, you know, my guess is there's not 500,000 homeless. I know in Los An in the Los Angeles area, they say they're 80,000. Um, but, uh, you know, I, uh, how do they know? I mean, they're not, they're not actually going around and counting these people. So my guess is that it's not 500,000 and certainly not 3 million. But no question, there are homeless all over the West Coast. And I, I guess in other parts of the country, too. But they tend to go where it's nice, which is why they're in Los Angeles and San Francisco and and Seattle and, and uh, places like that. All right, let's jump in now to Tulsi Gabbard because I've actually, I got the transcript just so that it, because otherwise how am I going to write everything down? So I've highlighted a couple of passages from her that I want to read and we'll get to that as soon as we hear this quick message. I've got for you an easy, enjoyable way to help make you an indispensable employee, one the firm can't possibly afford to be without. This same platform can also give you the tools necessary to go off on your own and start your own business. And it can also help you just take hobbies that you enjoy and get really, really good at them and learn more about them. You've heard my own daughters on this program telling you how they've used Skillshare to get even better at things they enjoy doing. Skillshare is an online learning community with over 26,000 classes and the classes cover all kinds of categories, from writing to technology to business to design to photo and film, you name it. Well, you can join the millions of students already learning on Skillshare today with this special offer just for my listeners. Get two months of access to all 26,000 classes for free. That's right. Skillshare is offering Tom Woodshow listeners two months of unlimited access to over 26,000 classes for free. To sign up, go to Skillshare.com slash woodsfree. Again, go to Skillshare.com slash woodsfree to start your two months now. That's all one word, Skillshare.com slash woodsfree. All right, let's get to Tulsi Gabbard now. She says, among other things, when she was asked, what do you mean about Hillary Clinton representing the rot that's in the Democratic <laughs> Party? And her answer was that our Democratic Party, unfortunately, is not the party that is of, by, and for the people. It is a party that has been and continues to be influenced by the foreign policy establishment in Washington, represented by Hillary Clinton and others' foreign policy, by the military-industrial complex and other greedy corporate interests. Now, if there were any life left in the Democratic Party, that would get rousing applause because they would all understand that. That's true. Instead, they call her a Russian agent because they're all idiots with an <laughs> IQ of 57. <laughs> then she says she refers to this ongoing Bush-Clinton-Trump yeah. foreign policy doctrine. Yeah, she said that So she twice. names Clinton, yeah. Bush, Clinton, yeah. Trump. Yep. So she's the only one who says it's the whole establishment here. The whole establishment. So again, if you're not brain dead and you're a Democrat, you should say, finally, 
Somebody points out the iniquity of the whole establishment. But they are brain dead with IQs of 57. So she <laughs> says, this ongoing Bush-Clinton-Trump foreign policy doctrine of regime change wars, overthrowing dictators in other countries, needlessly sending my brothers and sisters in uniform into harm's way to fight in wars that actually undermine our national security and have cost us thousands of American lives. And then after an exchange with, with Harris, she says, this only makes me guess that she will, as president, continue the status quo, continue the Bush-Clinton-Trump foreign policy of regime change wars, which is deeply destructive. Now, she also has an exchange with Buttigieg a little bit later. But let's just stop right there. I mean, that alone is a service. Like, even if people say, oh, but if she got elected, she would probably wouldn't do anything just the way Trump hasn't lived up to expectations. Fine. Well, whatever. But words like this make people think. And I'll take words and no action over no words and no action. You know, I'll take that. <laughs> yeah, no, I think she's she's very articulate. Uh, she doesn't seem to get, no matter whether who's attacking her, she doesn't seem to get uh, in any way put off by that. Uh, she's, you know, she's great. And I, you're exactly right. My guess is she does believe these things, but, you know, we don't really know unless, uh, of course, she's not going to become president. But if she were to become president... It uh, would be great to see what happened. Now, what I want to do, we'll get to her other um, major exchange here, but I actually want to read in its entirety her closing statement. Okay, this is her closing statement. This is a candidate who clearly and obviously is different from the others in that I think she does perceive, uh, certainly she, if she didn't perceive it before, the way she's been treated by the establishment the Democratic Party mm -hmm. establishment, the media establishment, has sure taught it to her about the real nature of how the regime operates. She understands it better than anybody on that stage. And yet here was the closing statement she chose to memorize. My personal commitment to you, to all of my fellow Americans, is to treat you with respect and compassion, something that we in Hawaii called aloha. Every single person deserves to be treated with respect, regardless of race, religion, or gender, or even your politics. Inclusion, unity, respect, aloha. These will be the operating principles for my administration. Now, Dr. Martin Luther King visited Hawaii first back in 1959 when he expressed his appreciation for what we call the aloha spirit. He said, we look to you for inspiration as a bold example for what you have already succeeded in the areas of racial harmony and racial justice where we are still struggling to achieve in other sections of the country. He later went on to say, as I looked out at the various faces and various colors mingled together like the waters of the sea, I see only one face, the face of the future. Working side by side, let's defeat the divisiveness of Donald Trump, come together and usher in a 21st century of racial harmony, of racial justice, peace, inclusion, and true equality. Working side by side, let's make Dr. King's dream our reality. One long platitude is how she chooses to end that debate. That is a criminal missed opportunity. That's the opportunity, given that, she, as you say, she's not going to win then doggone it, she should go down fighting. She should say, look, there is something that differentiates me from everybody on this stage. And the fact is, people, if you've been paying attention, you know that if somebody is getting close to telling the truth about the nature of the American government, that's the person who gets smeared and attacked and ridiculed and driven off the stage. And guess which one of us has had that happen? Guess which one? And all the others are treated with kid gloves, but not me. Why do you think that is? Because I'm uniquely evil? Come on. It's because I'm the one telling the truth. You know it in your heart. I mean, say something like that. Don't say, oh, we need a country where we all get along. They're all going to say that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, of course, that was a very disappointing ending. And, and um, 
<laughs> it was terrible. And she should have had you write it, Tom. Which I would have done pro bono. All right. So anybody out there, you want a closing statement that's absolutely going to kill, then write to me and I'll write it for you. Okay. Like they'll, they'll <laughs> yep. be talking about it. It'll force these SOBs to talk about it the next day. Um, well, I guess that she actually, well, maybe she thinks that she actually has a chance to win. And that's why she made that, that platitude in the statement uh, to appeal to all the, uh, you know, all the creeps in the democratic party. I, I don't know, but it was, a it was, a, as you say, it was a very bad mistake. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a waste. I mean, when, when else do you have the entire country looking at you? What did you think about Elizabeth Warren when she was asked, only about 1% of Americans serve in the U.S. military right now. Should that number be higher? Yes, I think it should be, she says. There's your big progressive. <laughs> yeah, and of course she wanted to have uh, ways to serve besides the military. Uh, is, she, is she for a draft? She might very well be for a draft and having uh, some people empty bedpans and others go kill people in other countries. But, uh, you know, I think there should have been a follow-up to try to explore what she actually, what she actually meant by that. Um, but she's a pretty uh, frightening person. And uh, but, but my guess is, and um, uh, I don't know what's happening in these impeachment hearings, my guess is in a debate, uh, Trump could uh, have her melt, would cause her to melt down very easily. Uh, but, you know, we'll just, we'll, just, we'll just have to see. My guess is she's not going to be the nominee, but because uh, of the position she's taking. And uh, she's just switched her, 52 billion, 52, excuse me, trillion dollar Medicare for all program to being, I don't know, 26 and to be brought in over three years and not just immediately. Uh, and I noticed nobody asked her why she changed her mind. Well, of course, she changed her mind because there was so much criticism of what this whole thing would actually cost. And um, we'll just have to see, but she's a very unpleasant, uh, she, you know, she reminds me of Madame Mao or uh, Lenin's girlfriend, I mean, Krupskaya. I mean, she's just, she's just a very unpleasant communist. And um, if she becomes president, we're in for a, a, a nasty ride. I thought Yang was disappointingly conventional when he was asked about foreign policy. You know, like, what would you say to Putin when you became president? So he says one of the things he would say is, we're going to live up to our international commitments. We're going to recommit <laughs> to our partnerships and alliances, including NATO. And Scott Horton pointed out at the Ron Paul Symposium, where you and I also spoke earlier this month, that it had been made clear in the early 90s to what was becoming the former Soviet Union that NATO would not be expanded one inch. And then, of course, immediately they started expanding NATO, absurdly and preposterously. And Yang thinks that the correct Democratic Party position is to uh, double down on that. Like, that's the correct position. Uh, There's a great... Then, oh, sorry. Well, I was just going to say, he says, uh, he says, these are the ways that we'll actually get Russia to the table and make it so they have to join the international community and stop resisting appeals to the world order. Now, first of all, that's creepy language to begin with. But of all... For the United States to be saying, it's time for you to join the international community and stop resisting appeals to the world. The United States acts like a bull in a china shop 24 hours a day. The rest of the world is appalled, and, and the U.S. regime couldn't care less. No, of course that's right. And, and um, you're right, he's entirely, he's entirely conventional. And this may be uh, his appeal to, and he actually thinks he has a chance to be vice president, which my guess is he does have a chance to be vice president, the nominee, that is. He's very smart. He's very articulate. 
He talked twice about one of his children having autism, which, of course, is a big appeal in the Democratic Party, maybe the Republican Party, too, that that uh, you're a victim, too. And um, I thought he was disappointing, but the others were worse. So um, only Tulsi was pretty good. Bernie was pretty good when he wasn't talking about his Medicare for all. So I thought I'm going to love to see what the what the polls show. But my guess is that Bernie did very well and uh, Tulsi did well, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, she especially since she she got attacked and she knew how to handle herself. So let's let's say a little something about that Buttigieg thing, because, of course, he attacks her for for what? For Assad. He says, uh, I would not have sat down with a murderous dictator like that. <laughs> OK. OK. And then she correctly points out. She says, look, are you forgetting that JFK met with Khrushchev? Roosevelt met with Stalin. Reagan met with Gorbachev. I mean, these people make Assad look like a forgettable bit of nothingness. Nothing. A footnote. Nothing. Nothing. And this has been bipartisan. You know, these are the only decent things these people did was they, they realized. And by the way, this goes back to Thomas Jefferson, whose view was, that you don't take this position that we're not going to recognize this regime or whatever. Yeah, okay, you could get on your high horse and say this is an immoral regime. But, you know, in one way or another, they're all immoral regimes. But for the sake of the welfare of mankind, you have to talk to them anyway. And especially in the 21st century when, like, for example, with the Russians, when you have nuclear missiles on both sides and it's possible for there to be accidents involving these weapons. And so it's very good to collaborate to prevent that. You have to put the getting on your high horse aside. That's what she's trying to say. And, of course, the Democratic Party position today is we're going to pretend there was no JFK. (laughs) We're going to pretend that none of these other people ever existed and that our constant position has been we don't talk to anybody. There's a great meme um, uh, showing a map of the Soviet – or as a picture of the uh, Soviet Union from space – excuse me, of of Russia from space – and it's got all the little dots where all the U.S. bases surround Russia. And the caption is, how dare Russia put their country in the middle of our bases? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, but the, <laughs> exactly. you know, the, yes, of course, the U.S. immediately moved to surround Russia. And uh, this is why the whole Ukraine business is, uh, and to hear the Republicans saying that, uh, you know, Trump is much better than uh, Obama because he gave more lethal weapons to Ukraine so they can attack the Russians. Well. It's, uh, you know, don't these people realize that if there's a, if there's a nuclear war, uh, we could all go down? I mean, uh, you know, they're going to bomb Washington, D.C. right away is my guess. And maybe a whole lot of other places, too. They're, they're, they're so reckless. They're so stupid. Of course, they'll do anything for power. But they're all listening to the CFR and uh, the Trilateral Commission. And, and um, they really are a terrible bunch. Only uh, Tulsi and uh, Bernie had anything decent and humane to say last night. There was a question about affordable housing, and one of the debaters answered about that. And There's just no curiosity that housing seems to be most unaffordable <laughs> in the cities with the most progressive legislation, you know, and the most progressive people in charge. They never think, I wonder if there's a connection here, because they say that they want to create cheaper housing so that must be the result of what they do you know they there's just no curiosity about it 
so I actually would recommend I have a, you know, one of my free ebooks. I did one on AOC, and she's also been talking about affordable housing with no curiosity about various ways the state might be making housing less affordable and m- m- causing there to be fewer rental properties and so on. So I wrote an ebook called AOC is Wrong, and there's a chapter in there on affordable housing. So you can get that for nothing at AOCisWrong.com. Uh, do you have any? Well, in terms of final thoughts, there were a couple of candidates who, who were not there. I mean, O'Rourke withdrew from the race. Castro didn't qualify, so he's probably on life support. Then we've got the, I guess, former governor of Massachusetts, Patrick, who I guess just entered the uh, race. Patrick, I yeah. yeah, I don't know what's going on with that. Uh, do you have any final thoughts about where things stand at this point? Well, I think that Bloomberg uh, is, is not actually going to be a candidate because of this too much trouble for him about his uh, stop, ask, and frisk policy. And um, Tucker Carlson said that was the the only gun control policy that ever worked. Um, I would say I'm not a big fan of it, but they did get a lot of guns off the streets and prevented a lot of black and brown kids from being killed. But of course, that's not enough. And, and uh, Bloomberg had to make a very uh, pathetic uh, apology about the fact that he ever wanted to do this. And uh, I, I just, uh, there's no way he's going anywhere. Deval Patrick works for Bain Capital, Romney's uh, firm. It seems to me that alone which should disqualify him in the Democratic Party. Uh, we'll just have to see. But I, I, uh, I, I don't think he, he's, his main qualification is that he's allegedly one of the best friends of Obama. I think he's not as smart as Obama. He was not a very good governor of Massachusetts. And, um, I, you know, I, maybe he'll get in, maybe he won't get in, but he's going to have no effect any more than Bloomberg will. So I think we're, stu- we're, we're stuck. The Democrats are stuck uh, with these 10 people. And, of course, most of them are uh, not serious candidates either. So we'll just have to see. But I think Bloomberg's dead and uh, Deval Patrick is dead too. Bloomberg just has no charisma and no following. <laughs> no. No following. I mean, I think he's expressed interest in, in the presidency before. Yes, he did. And, and despite being willing to spend a billion dollars, you, you, you know for a fact this is a guy who still wouldn't get any traction, you know? I mean, it takes real effort. It takes a really, really lousy personality to be able to spend a billion dollars and everybody knows even before you spend that first dollar that they're still not going to vote for you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that yeah. is something. No, I got to hand yeah. it to him. I mean, that is unlikability. He was, you know, he was elected mayor of New York several times and, you know, that's fine. But no, he has no chance whatsoever. And he's, he, his. Just if you if you saw his apology, first of all, it's not believable, but it's just pathetic too. I mean, it was, <laughs> and of course, there's no doesn't doesn't matter what he can crawl in his belly like a reptile. Doesn't matter what he does, uh, they're not going to accept him, and so he might as well just go back to promoting gun control or whatever the rest of whatever whatever he does with his yes. life. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well. Uh, LouRockwell.com. Obviously, you guys should be reading Lou, L-E-W, LouRockwell.com. Are are we at the 20-year anniversary? I I think I asked you this last time. My memory is very Yes, it is the 20th, yes. That is something else. So for the 20th anniversary of LouRockwell.com, if you've been benefiting from it for a while, you know, go support LouRockwell.com. These things don't get done for free. So uh, check that out. Support uh, Lou over at uh, LouRockwell.com. And Lou, thanks again. Tom, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor, even though we're talking about a terrible thing. (laughs) I appreciate it. But for some reason, terrible things make the best interviews. I don't know why that is. (laughs) Thanks again, Luke. Thank you, Tom.
All right, folks, a couple quick things to tell you about before we wrap up for today. I don't know, maybe it was six months ago. I told you guys about a really, really excellent documentary series called Money Revealed that featured a number of libertarians, actually. John Mackey from Whole Foods was on it. G. Edward Griffin was on it. Uh, Robert Kiyosaki, you may be familiar with, was on it. And I heard nothing but good things from everybody. And I watched it myself. It was a number of episodes. They released them day by day. And they were just great, just packed with valuable information. Everybody loved it. And it didn't cost you anything. You just just watch them if you got on their early bird list. Well, they're doing that again, same people, but on a topic that's a little bit off topic for us. But since they did such a good job on that, that money documentary, I thought you might like this one. And their new documentary is not money revealed, but wine revealed. So if you're a wine lover, or even if you're somebody who you just wish you knew more about wine, you know perfectly well you're just bluffing when you talk about wine and when you order wine and when you taste it. This is the series for you, and you can watch it for free. you got to just hop on their early bird list. So that's over at tomwoods.com slash wine. Where else would that be if not tomwoods.com slash wine? So go check that out. Second thing is we've got a listener of this program who just created a really helpful resource for parents called theparentsinsider.com, theparentsinsider.com. There are all kinds of things parents need for their children. And particularly if you're a new parent, uh, half the time you don't even know half of what it is you're shopping for or what you should be looking for and so on. So it could be a crib, could be a stroller, could be a car seat, could be sleep advice. Well, the Parents Insider is a site created by parents, intended for parents to be a source you can go to to find solutions to these sorts of problems and get recommendations for what the best this or that thing is. So you're going to find tips, reviews, recommendations, And so if you look on that site, for example, they have an article on baby sleep for first-time parents. They've got stroller reviews. So definitely check that out, theparentsinsider.com. I'll link to that at tomwoods.com slash 1539 as well. And of course, remember, if you are thinking of starting a website and you don't want tumbleweeds going by when you launch it, you actually would want some people to visit it, then I will make sure you get some visitors by promoting it on my program. And you can get that and other very helpful benefits from me as long as you get your hosting through my link. And you'll find out all the details about how to do that at tomwoods.com slash publicity. See you tomorrow. Become a smarter libertarian in just 30 minutes a day. Visit tomwoods.com to subscribe to the show for free. And we'll see you next time. Like the sound of The Tom Woods Show? My audio production is provided by Podsworth Media. Check them out at podsworth.com.